understated presents LA Underground with Lucan. Girl, I'll house you. Say what? LA Underground. Now give me something to dance to. Dance to. Understated LA. This is only the beginning. Clever the way everything blends together. And my sound's laid down by the underground. LA Underground. About Ruka. Ruka. You're listening Chicago. to the Understated Recordings Podcast, Chicago. LA Underground. Chicago. Chicago. Hello there and welcome Chicago. to the latest edition of Chicago. LA Underground. This week I will be talking with Somi, who's one of the rising stars of the LA Underground. Chicago. She's an awesome DJ producer Chicago. and we had a really fantastic conversation Chicago. and it went on for so long that this will be an extended session of LA Underground. She also recorded an absolute monster of a guest mix, so I'm really excited to share that with you too at the end of the show. LA Underground is now presented by Understated Recordings. This is the official podcast for the record label. And what a label it is. And every week we're going to be showcasing an unreleased track that's coming out soon on the label. And this week's no exception. Already heating up in the background is a track from the 900 Blocks, Stefan C.A. This is the original mix of Chicago. Stefan C.A. You are now listening to my latest single, Chicago, coming out on Understated Records. I'm so hyped for the world to finally see this vision. I just wanted to pay homage to Chicago with the ghetto sound, with the acid house, a little bit of the tech sound, with the vocals coming in. And I just wanted to give respect to the birthplace and the foundation of this home we all live in. House music never dies. Chicago, 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 Chicago,
So the special guest on today's show is Somi. She's a DJ and producer that has been rising quite fast on the LA scene. And it was so nice to sit down and find out all about her journey from her early life and career to where she is today. So this is my interview with Somi. Somi. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for coming on. So if you don't know Somi, you should. She's had, uh, I think she'll agree, her biggest year so far in 2019. She has warmed up for the likes of Josh Butler, Will Clark um, at Sound. She's played uh, multiple other times at Sound. She's played at Ultra Festival in Korea. Splash House in California, to name but a few. And those are the more above ground situations she's played. She's also firmly established on the LA underground itself. Um, she's also played for the likes of Clinic. Basically moving around uh, Los Angeles and the California area and now beyond as well. Uh, and it's really exciting. And congratulations on 2019. Yeah, it's been a really, really insane year. Um, Yeah, I mean, if if you had told me like at the start of the year that all this would have happened, I wouldn't have believed you, so. (laughs) Well, let's start there. I mean, what do you think happened this year? Why did it suddenly take this upward trajectory for you? Um, You know, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, my, my response isn't going to be like scientific, you know, but um, I mean, if I had to just like throw out some, some thoughts on this, like, I, I think it's never one thing, you know, it's, it's usually kind of like the, the perfect marriage of, of many things coming together. Um, and so I think, uh, I think a big part of it is just timing. Um, I think that uh, there's there's sort of this like momentum behind. Um, I mean, I guess frankly, like like women DJs. I know that's like this is touching upon like <laughs> I don't know. That's like sensitive for some people. Like we don't like to call ourselves women DJs, but I mean, just just I mean, just for just to 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 be real, you know. I mean, just to like. Um, be straightforward about it. I think that there's a lot of interest in, in, in diversity now, like in the space. And so like coming upon the scene now, it's, it's just, it's good timing. I think like five years ago, it might've been, there might've been more resistance or like just less awareness or less interest because it was less common, right? Um, or less of like a priority to, to make sure that um, we kind of see different faces, I guess so to speak, behind the decks. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think another, a big part of it is, is, is that um, I had built up a, a strong network of, of, of friends and supporters in the space um, prior to, to, I guess, like starting my, my, my own like artistic endeavors. Um, and so you know, when I kind of showed up and said, um, this is what I've been working on and I'm ready to put myself out there. I already had a ton of, of people in the space that I knew who, who you know, were, were excited to help me out um, and excited to put me on um, and, and give me the chance to sort of prove myself. 
Because, um, yeah, I think sometimes just getting your foot in the door is like the hardest step, you know. And so if you have those open doors ready to go, then as long as, you know, you're ready on your end, you, you've done the preparation, you, you practice, like you put in the work, then it's like the perfect combination of like opportunity and, and, and preparation. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about that. I, I don't think it is a sensitive subject to talk about um, the the female DJ uh, really coming into an equal footing with male DJs. I think it's long overdue. Um, and and I think you, um, I don't think with you specifically, you could say, oh, it's just lucky that Somi <laughs> arrived when she did. I think that would be doing you a disservice. You know, I think it's, I think it happens to be a fact that you are a woman who DJs, but the bottom line is, is that you're a fully rounded artist. Uh, I should mention, Somi is also a prolific producer. She's had several tracks out in the last year on Groove Records, on understated recordings, and also Applique. Uh, she's had collaborations with the likes of Lebelski and JTJ, and a classically trained musician as well. I mean, you reminded me of, you know, something else. Um, I think that has like been super helpful in getting this year going for me and, and, and getting some momentum behind me. And, and, and that's been, you know, my, my work as a vocalist and collaborating with, with other producers. Um, I think like early on. So before I, I got into being and producing, like you mentioned, my background wasn't, you know, I, I'm a classically trained pianist. Um, and I sang sort of my whole life um, in, you know, I don't know, musicals and, and, and acapella groups and all that nerdy stuff <laughs> growing up. Um, and so early on, I think I identified sort of like a, a niche or a space where I could be a value add to, to some of my peers. And, and that was through my vocal work. Um, Cause a lot of these, these, these producers in LA would be like looking for, for vocalists. And I don't know, I think that, um, you show up once and you do a good job and you show that you're, you know, like a reliable person to work with and you're not like, I don't know, a grouch <laughs> and people are, are happy to work with you again. And people are happy to like, people are super happy to like recommend you to their, to their, to their peers as well. So a lot of it just, I, I, th I feel like you do one good project and it can move very quickly from there because like everybody in LA is so down to like, just recommend the good people and, 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 you know, share resources. And so, yeah, um, I would say doing all these vocal collaborations this year, um, was huge in terms of like getting my name out there and, and therefore, um, building that momentum. Do you think the, that collaboration and willingness to share resources is something that's unique to LA or do you think, that's something um, about the scene in general? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I haven't like necessarily been entrenched in, in any other scene. Like, like I, I, I got my start here in LA and I, so I can't say like, oh yeah, like, I mean, compared to New York, cause I, I hadn't, I had lived there previously, but I wasn't in the scene. Um, I was in a completely different career and space. So I imagine that it might be somewhat unique to LA. You know, I because I feel like if I had if I had felt like there was a, the same sort of energy and scene out in New York, maybe I would have discovered it sooner. You know, like maybe I would have been drawn into it out there. But 
the fact that, you know, I don't know, it sort of remained hidden from me, maybe speaks to the fact that the scene is not quite as friendly out there. Um, it's come up again and again with guests on this show that LA is a particularly collaborative and supportive community in, in the dance music scene. And I think, I don't think it's an accident that it keeps coming up. And uh, I think part of it is that the sunshine makes people happy, you know, a little bit, and, and it's, you know, and, and willing to, to totally. be positive about collaborations. But Totally. Like, um, I feel like people have the complete opposite of like scarcity mindset out here. That's correct. You know? like, yeah. like when you're like cold and freezing all the time, like I think it, it, it literally, <clears throat> like, even though you're living in a first world country and city, it just sort of like, it like it ignites this like primal need to like just protect what's yours because you're just like you just feel under attack because you're like freezing and and miserable <laughs> um and so yeah i think like scarcity mindset or something like that kicks in like let's say you know when you when you live on the east coast and it's freezing even, even, again even though there's there's no scarcity of, of actual resources right you're like i don't know it is it's, everything's fine but you're kind of like no this is mine like I've worked the cold, hard for the cold, the cold forces isolation or something. Yeah, something like that. And whereas, yeah, when you're happy and, and it's sunny all the time, you just feel like you have, there's an abundance of of everything, whatever it is. There's an abundance of good weather. So there's an abundance of good mood. And then <laughs> that leads to an abundance of, of sharing and, and, and nice behavior. <laughs> I think people would be really interested to how you came to be where you are right now. For those of you that are listening, um, Somi, you are Korean American. Yeah. And you grew up for a small part of your life in Korea before you came to America? I grew up most of my life in Korea. So I was in Korea from like 96 till I graduated high school in 2005. Now I'm dating myself, whatever. I'm, I'm very open about my age. <laughs> As well, you should be. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was in Korea for about uh, almost ten years before I moved back. Before I moved back to the U.S. for for college, I was born here, um, but I was born in, in New Jersey actually. But I, I, my, my, my parents and I, like, we moved to Tokyo first when I was three months old. So, and, and then I lived in Asia, like until you know until i came back here for college so i was born here but i didn't really grow up here like i came back for college and that was and i've been here ever since but like my formative years were spent in asia so that was interesting <laughs> so i'm curious to to know inside do you feel more korean than american or is it is is a is it a complete amalgam now so you've spent like, half of your life in, I guess, in both places. Yeah, it's a it's a mess now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's like the best kind of mess. I think growing up, like as a teenager, and even like in my early twenties, it it was like an uncomfortable mess. Like internally for myself, it was uncomfortable because I was like, I don't know, just always trying to be something else. Like I never felt like what I was was enough or like okay. Like, I'd be like, I'm too Korean, or I'd be like, I'm not Korean enough, like, for the locals back home. And it just was always this mess. Like, I just felt like I was, you know, I didn't really belong in either space. Um, but now, I don't know. I think maybe being, it's part of, a part of it is just being in your 30s and like, you don't know, just being okay with yourself. And um, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, but honestly, I think uh, another big part of it has been 
sort of, I've found a sense of confidence through this community and in this scene and through doing what I do now to where I feel like it's cool to be, you know, lots of different things. And it's cool to draw from lots of different sources of inspiration or like, or, or culture um, where, yeah, you don't have to just be one thing. Um, so yeah, now, now, now I'm happy that it's sort of a mess. It's a good mess. <laughs> it's a great mess. So what did you study at college? Um, <laughs> I studied English literature and theater studies. So I was a double major in English and drama basically. Um, and I did a minor in music. So my parents would joke like, wow, like you, you really don't want to make money <laughs> after you graduate from school with these degrees. <laughs> I think, which of course, as a fellow artist, is a is uh, is not an accurate description of the situation. Right. It's you would love to make lots of money yeah, right. leaving college. It's just you have incredibly lofty aspirations as to how you're going to do it. Yes, and you haven't necessarily like acquired the most obvious tools as to how you're going to get there. Uh, but you know, I, I firmly believe that. I mean, maybe this is controversial, but like, I really believe that like that English majors are the most, that, that an English major is the most useful major because basically it's, it teaches you how to, how to express yourself. It's like, you know, it's, it's a major that, that teaches you how to string thoughts together. And if you can do that, then you can communicate with people. And if you can communicate with people, like now we're getting places. You know, I, I mean, I tie this back to like, you know, why I've had, you know, a, a, a good year this year in terms of, you know, the, the music stuff. And I think it's very nerdy to say this, but it totally ties back to like being an English major, honestly, you know, because <laughs> like, I feel like I'm able to convey to people like what my, what my ideas are, like what my, what my goals are, like what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm also able to listen to people and, and, and sort of process like, oh, what they're telling me. And then I'm able to respond with, oh, well, sounds like these are your needs. You know, maybe I can be helpful in this way. And as you keep doing this, like with people, you know, a funny thing happens, like you start helping each other out and like moving together and, 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 and accomplishing things together. And, um, that's how you move forward. So it sounds like a lot of what you're describing is authenticity. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so, but I feel like you can't even sort of get there until, you know, you, like there's, there's, it's sort of like the in and the out <laughs> with like midi and out, right? Like you need to be in and the out, like you need to be able to listen, but you also need to be able to express outwards, right? And I think you, your brain gets better at that with, with training and, and with practice. And for me, like, pursuing that English major, like gave me a ton of practice in doing that, you know, cause it's all analysis and then exposition. And that's kind of what listening and communicating are same thing. And presumably that's now intrinsic to you as an artist, but it naturally occurs to me that what you're describing is are, are exactly the elements required to be a good selector and a good um, performer of as a DJ, 
yeah. in, a, in, a, in a club environment. So can you talk a little bit about that um, call and response, if you will, of yeah. crowd to DJ? And, and, and I think people would be really curious to know what's going through your system as a performer in those moments when, you know, um, you know, when you're reading a room and responding to that. And, and I think, you know, you've talked about it in terms of that uh, communication and listening and responding. Um, yeah. You could expand on that a little bit. Sure. Um, I guess I'll start with the fact that um, I spent, you know, a good amount of time being on the other side of it first. I mean, I think this is like most DJs, right? Like we're all former, like everyone's a former raver and like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, frankly, I got into it pretty late. Like, I didn't get into house music and techno and sort of modern dance music as we know it until about, like three years ago. So, like, I, you know, I can't even, I can't even claim like that. You know, this this culture was was was, you know, what I grew up with. Right? Again, I grew up in Korea. There were no raves. Like, there were no there were no warehouse parties. There was no EDC. Like, there were no festival music dance music festivals in Korea. So. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with that the same way that a lot of the people here have in the scene. But um, regardless, you know, I, I, I three years ago, I, I, I just I stumbled upon it when I moved to L.A., fell madly in love with it and just started like basically living at all the at all the clubs. <laughs> um, and so I, I think it begins there. Like uh, I, I did a lot of listening as, you know, someone in the crowd. And so, you know, that was my first experience with, with the whole, the listening part, right? Just listening to what other DJs were playing and what kind of music was out there. Um, and I think having done that for the first three years gave me a good idea of sort of what, what's out there. But then, you know, I think that also left a lot of room for me to decide, oh, like what isn't out there though? You know, like what can I what can I like play that, that I haven't heard that I'm, that, you know, I love and that I think, you know, others might love too, that, that, that other people aren't widely playing. Cause I can, I can still very clearly like remember that, that, that time of my life. And I, and that is still me. Like I still love to go to shows and just like be out in the audience. And I think that's important. Like, I think, I think if you stop doing that, if you stop sort of um, putting yourself in the beginner's mindset, um, or the, the student mindset, right? Um, you, that's when you stop like growing. That's when you stop, I guess, staying, being able to like stay relevant because you've sort of like stopped. I don't know, you've tuned out. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm only, on, I'm, I'm just on, on the, this other side of it now and I have all the answers, but like, that's not necessarily true. Like it's always shifting, you know, and, and it's easy to forget sort of what it feels like to be on the dance floor. Like, unless you go out there, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, how, how are you able to to conduct that experience for people if you've literally, like, forgotten what it's like to, to be out there? I think there's a misconception uh, for new producers and DJs coming up that if you're in your studio in your bedroom and working away, you are working. Totally. And, and totally. something will come as a result. Totally. But, it's a, but the truth of the matter is that being out, being amongst where you want your product to end up yes. is exactly, it's, a, it's an equally important amount of work. 
that goes okay. in, in in that in those four, five, six hours that you're there, because then you're working out well, where does my sound fit in? Totally. Where, how what, when when I'm when I'm crafting this piece of music, what does it need to do? What do they want? And you totally. only find out that from being uh, in the audience. Yeah. And you've um, touched upon it, haven't you? That you know, like as an when you're on the dance floor, you know, and spending those years going to clubs as as just an audience, you do inevitably find out those moments that don't work or those nights that didn't really go off, and and I think that fuels the fire, doesn't it? Yeah, to, to want to like, make it happen when you're up there and it's your job. Totally, you're like, okay, that was that was cool, but I feel like I can do better. You know, not like in a in a negative way, but just a, okay, this like I see maybe what not to do, and then that sort of excites that sort of an exciting feeling because like it's it, I don't know you're like all right let me let me see if I can if I can improve on that you know it's like a it's like a fun challenge for yourself you know like for me I find that I'm I'm a, I'm a very social person <laughs> um, and so I like being out I love being in the environment you know that's that's what made me want to pursue this in the first place and so like i i'm on the other end where i have to like remind myself okay okay like you've you've like <laughs> been out enough you, you've done a lot of absorbing right like now it's time for you to like, get in the studio and like focus um <laughs> so sure. maybe i have like the opposite problem but it, you just have to either way you have to balance it out right like you can't just you can't be working on your like opus magnum in your room by yourself for like you know six months straight a year you know and like and not, you know, have any like FaceTime with people because I don't know. I mean, it, 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 you know, you, whatever you were working on, like may have become stale or like things may have changed or like you may have forgotten that this is supposed to be like, you know, for the dance floor. Like you may have just completely lost that vision by like trying to perfect something in your room by yourself for, for months and months and months, you know. And would you say like back to the, the question about uh, responding to what you're experiencing in front of you and adjusting as a DJ. Do you think that is kind of second nature to you now? Are you thinking about it? Does it happen in real time? Something that um, I'm like constantly doing is looking at people's faces. I'm, I'm a very like, I mean, in, in my mind, I'm not staring at the decks the whole time. Maybe I am, you know, like I feel like we don't really know what we look like when we DJ, so I should probably just like hire a videographer to just film me like no cool shots, just like straight film me yeah. one night so I can like study myself, right? Like I'm sure, you know, with acting, you, we, you do this all the time. I mean, you see yourself and you're like, oh God, I, I need to stop doing that thing where I like rub my nose or, right? So I should probably <laughs> just for practice, like have someone film me so I can see like ratio of amount of time spent staring down at the decks versus like looking up at the audience and smiling or, you know, being engaging. But, um, I've seen you play your head's up enough. Okay, good. <laughs> um, cause I try, I really try and, and, and remind myself like, look up, look up, you know, and make yeah, eye contact and, and look at people. Cause that's a nice moment. I mean, I, I, I get, I get a little turned off by, by DJs who are just like not smiling, staring down, making like, like, like there's just no engagement whatsoever. I'm like, why? And they're not, they're not even, they're not dancing. They're just stiff and standing there looking so serious. I'm like, cause uh, you know, I feel like it's, you know, for the call, like the call and response thing, like the audience looks to the DJ to, for, for permission almost as to like how to behave. Right. Cause like, 
you know, the setups nowadays are that the DJ is sort of on some sort of platform and, and either way they're very like, you know, the setup is now such that the audience is, is, is very much looking at the DJ, not not like in the in the old days where who knew where the DJ was. So like people are staring at us and you know, we're setting the tone and the entire party and the mood like with the music, like how we look is and how we are acting is is part of that package. Because people can people are not only listening to you, but they can see you. So if you're out there up there like scowling <laughs> and not dancing, it sort of gives people this subconscious like, oh, maybe I'm not allowed to maybe I shouldn't be dancing so hard. Like maybe 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 I look corny right now. Like maybe maybe this isn't that sort of party. This is like oh a cool party, like right? <laughs> I'm not supposed to be like smiling and having this much fun. Whereas if you as the DJ are up there dancing along to your own tracks, because you know, hopefully you, you're enjoying what you yourself are playing and you're 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 looking up and you're and you know you're smiling at people and you're making eye contact, that that gives people permission to like get get free with it. And I'm constantly trying to see like are people engaged or are people like sort of just chit-chatting amongst themselves and on their phones. That's like the absolute that's when I'm like, oh no, like I need to like, I need to switch gears. Just looking at people's faces is, is, is a really helpful gauge as to like how I'm doing, I guess. You're a musical physiognomist. <laughs> What's a physiognomist? That's someone who studies people's faces. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, that, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, electronic music didn't really come into your life and in, in, well, certainly in the, in the way it is now until just a few years ago. So I'm curious yeah. to know what you were listening to prior to that dude i i ask myself this all the time i'm like what on earth did i used to listen to like i feel like everyone has come this. on hand it over <laughs> okay this is gonna sound really sad there was like a three-year period prior to me moving out to la and getting into all this where like i don't think i listened to music period. interesting yeah like basically okay so this is, I'm, I'm going to, you know, contextualize this. Um, prior to, to moving to LA three years ago, I was living in New York. Um, so that's where I moved straight after. Well, I was living in New, New Jersey, like right across the river, but I was working in Manhattan. And um, yeah, I, I moved there, you know, right after college. So I moved there in 2009 and, and was there until, you know, I moved here in, in early 2016. But um, I got into the music industry in New York first um, on in the artist management like side of things. So that was like my first foray into the broad umbrella of music. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I discovered after like two years that it wasn't for me. Um, I think deep down, like I always wanted to be an artist. <laughs> so it was, it was hard to, to, I guess, be on the other side and constantly just think, oh man, like I wish I was in the studio, you know, <laughs> or, I wish that was me doing those things, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I learned a ton. And I think, you know, everything I learned uh, from from those days, I've been able to apply now. And I think that's part of what, you know, has helped me, like, move along so fast. It also left me feeling pretty lost, like, after that experience, because I, you know, was like, oh, I thought I wanted to be in the music industry, and I did it, but I'm not happy. Like, what does this mean? Like you know, do I not belong here? Like, should I, was this the, you know, it was, is music actually not for me? And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. And so I basically walked out of the industry just to like take some time for myself 
and <laughs> did some soul searching and, and, and decided that I wanted to, that I was super interested in technology and innovation and things like this. And so I, I went to learn how to write code. <laughs> I went to a coding bootcamp and uh, I got into tech and first got into it as a, a junior software developer. And then eventually I, I transitioned into product management. But um, it was during that time that I, I didn't listen to a ton of music. I was like super focused on trying to like learn how to write code. And um, I think I was also emotionally trying to like detach myself from, from music. As, and this is why I say this is also sad. Like I, I was left feeling really, really lost after that, that's, that, that experience in artist management. And it's like, I, I feel like I was just desperately trying to like start over for myself. And I felt that like just shutting out music was a necessary component of that. Do you think that maybe you were clearing your musical slate subconsciously and that maybe when you came to LA, you were a blank canvas, you know, and a, and a vessel for the right kind of music, music that was really going to inspire you because it would make sense, wouldn't it? Given that that's, what's happened that's crazy. since. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's crazy. I had never thought of it that way, but you might be right. Cause like, so when I was working in artist management, I was I was like deep in the pop world, um, you know. So back then I was just constantly listening to top 40 and I used to manage a couple like songwriters and producers and everyone was trying to do like the Dr. Luke thing. You know, everyone was trying to chase like cuts for, for Rihanna and, and Katy Perry, <laughs> like and Lady Gaga, like this was you know, this is, this was all the rage. Um, cause we're talking 2012, 20, 2010 to 2012. And so like, that's what I was listening to all day long demos of, 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 you know, three minute and 30 second tracks that all sort of sounded like Dr. Luke ish and, 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 and pop. And, you know, I not, not knocking it. It's just like, that's all I listened to back then. Um, and then, yeah, I sort of just like shut it all off and, I guess, I guess I was clearing the way. I didn't even know, you know, that that's what I was doing. I mean, occasionally, um, while I was like coding and stuff, like in my headphones, I would listen to classical music. So like, I, I guess I was going back to like what I knew, like originally, like my roots, you know, like I always, classical music is, is always like comforting to me. And it always, I don't know, I feel like it, it tickles my brain in this way where it gets it kind of going. Um, just cause it's, it's super intricate, you know? Um, and so I found that it was super helpful for, for coding because it like just got the juices flowing. I'm interested to know whether the coding has any influence on your production now, and if so, in what way? A huge. Like I say this all the time that like I don't think I would have been able to like wrap my head around using a DAW if it hadn't been if I hadn't like done computer programming because. Like I, you know, I had tried on my own, like I had, I had tried dabbling in, in, in production prior to the computer programming. So, you know, during, during the artist management phase, I was secretly like trying to write music myself. And, <laughs> um, and most of it was, was sort of vo vocally driven. Um, but, you know, you still need like a backing track to like showcase whatever, like, you know, song ideas you have, right? Like, and so, you know, I had to like stitch together like rough productions <laughs> just, 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 to, just enough, like so, so I could like get my song ideas out, and like um, I was using GarageBand at the time, and I remember like I tried to like, 
you know, upgrade to like Pro Tools and Logic. These were like the other two DAWs that I had like attempted to use. And like, I don't know, I just, I just couldn't quite wrap my head around like some of the concepts like sends and returns and busing. Like at the time that just seemed like it didn't make sense to me. Then, you know, I, I took a break from that and like dove into computer programming. And then you learn all these things, like all these concepts that you know, you don't necessarily like you, you don't necessarily encounter in everyday life, but make it make, you know, once once you wrap your head around it, make a ton of sense. Like, I guess, I don't know, functions and, and grouping things together. And um, that like once I had established sort of like a, a foundation of, of that, like I was able to go back to production and be like, wait, this makes sense. Like, for example, you know, you might use a send so that you can apply an effect on a whole group of things. Right. As opposed to like having to individually apply that effect on each track. But like, and I was like, what? Like, that is such a simple, like, what? Like, why did I, why did I struggle with that idea before? Right. But it wasn't until like I encountered that in computer programming that I was able to be like, oh my God, that's the same thing as like grouping things and in, into functions or, or um, I don't know. And is there any correlation between the structure of coding and musical structure? I'll say that to me, there is a ton of correlation between how I think about writing and formulating sentences and, and, and like stringing them all together and, and how I arrange songs and how I, how I, you know, how, how I hear phrasing even like within a DJ set, like the way I think about how to select songs and connect them together and oh, what to play you know, next and next and next, like the way I think about that is the exact same, it's driven by the exact same, like, like thought process and emotional process as how I think about like, well, what sentence would I want to write after this sentence? And then what, what, what sentence would I say after that sentence to then put together like a five paragraph essay, let's say, right? You know, with, with writing, you're, you, you have an overall narrative that you want to convey and then within that, you've got to like break it down into, okay, well, 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 the pieces are the sentences, you know, and they've got to make sense together in a certain way. Like there has to be some kind of flow and, and pause. And it's the same way with, with thinking about, for me, like how to, how to put tracks together. Like, you know, it's not very interesting to just, like, let's say you were to write a bunch of sentences together that all started with and, right? Like I ate breakfast today and I also did this and I went to the park. And, right, like we're taught, like that's not a very interesting way of writing. Right? Um, you can write that way, but and, and you may, in the end, get your story across, which is, you know, my fun day at the beach. But like, <laughs> that's not a very compelling story. Um, and it's the same with tracks. Like, I don't know, you can, you can, I don't know, play a bunch of tracks that all have the exact same groove, that all have sort of the same elements, you know, that that all start the same way and end the same way, but like. That's not a very interesting set to me. Yeah, because the, the energy isn't going anywhere. It's just the same energy the entire time. It's the, it's the equivalent. It's the musical equivalent of sentences that all begin with and. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing your um, perspective on all that. It's awesome. <laughs> Tell me about the... So given that electronic music came into your life quite late, I imagine there was a moment where you had some sort of epiphany musically, probably when you were on the dance floor, I imagine. Yeah. Was there a moment? And if so, what was it? I had like several of these moments. 
throughout my journey of getting, you know, more acquainted with this music, like I, I, I can distinctly remember like just several of these moments where like, you know, like the, the, the first aha moment is, is one thing. And then the second is sort of like built on top of that, you know, um, I mean, my, the first moment for me <laughs> was at Coachella in 2016. Um, you know, like the, that was my, that was the first, the first festival I ever attended. Like I had never been to a music festival until Coachella in 2016. So like I, that was like, I went from like zero to a hundred. <laughs> um, but you know, I moved out here and, 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 and had some friends and made new friends who were like super into you know, festivals and, and dance music and all that stuff. So they like dragged me with them. They were like, listen, you're gonna love this. Like, just follow us. Like, like just listen to what we listen to. Like we're going to show you all the good stuff, you know? So <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down to just be exposed to everything. And we were, I think it was in the Sahara tent and it was Rufus to soul. Yeah. I had, I know it's, it's, it's crazy now. Cause like, I'm so familiar with, with them now and, and, and they've become so big, but like at the time I had never heard anything like Rufus. Like, I know. And it's crazy. That was just, just three years ago. You know, sort of ambient, beautiful, melodic house techno, sort of a blend of all that. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, that was like the perfect intro. I see why now in retrospect that like appealed to me because like, you know, I had come from the pop world um, and I hadn't had like much prior exposure to, to, to a lot of dance music. And so I see why that was like maybe like a gateway drug for me. Sure. <laughs> but I just remember being so overwhelmed by like, just the moment, you know, the crowd looking at my friends, they were all so happy, everyone had their eyes closed. Like it was like just like that perfect moment where I was like, wow, like this, this can be some really transcendental stuff, you know, not just the music, but um, the environment that 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 is created around it, you know, like the gathering around it. It's like, this is kind of like religious stuff. And I'm such a sensitive soul. Like I'm such a, you know, everything moves me. Like I love crying. Like I love crying to movies. I love crying like to music. <laughs> it's like a super like cathartic experience for me. I'm very like expressive and free with it. You know, I'm constantly crying like at festivals because the music is, is moving me. A shared experience, you know, like I want to I want to be doing this and, and I want to create this, you know, for other people. Like I want this to be my life. Like I want to be about this. Um, now it is your life. Yeah. <laughs> so you you go on this big journey. You come to uh, America. You come out of college. You have that big experience in the in the music world and the tech world. You're entrenched in LA. You're building your way through the scene, and then you get the opportunity to return to Korea, <laughs> but this time as your newest version of yourself playing with some of your heroes in the scene at the Ultra Festival, which for those of you that don't know, I can't imagine anybody listening to this podcast doesn't know, but obviously Ultra is one of the biggest um, parties in the world. <laughs> so what was that like? Obviously, I want to hear about what that was like as an artist playing on that level, yeah. but also there must have been something else going on, going back and doing that in Korea. Yeah, you ask such good questions. You're like great at, at you're like, you're great at like, <laughs> what's the word? Sort of just like like 
pointing people towards like good narratives. <laughs> I don't want to like say that. Well, I oh guess it's because I, mean, thank, I take the compliment, but I am genuinely interested. <laughs> I, I, mean, I was like, I, I mean, well, you made that sound so epic and you were just asking the questions. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know you, but I've not, I, and we, we see each other regularly, but I've not had this conversation with you. So I'm excited to be able to share this conversation because no, I'm genuinely interested. So tell us, what was it like? Um, it, I can't even, you know, it just, like, where do I even start? Like, for, for, I mean, for starters, it changed my life. That was a life-changing experience. I can actually, actually say that. Um, no exaggeration on, on various levels. You know, one way was, was just sort of finding acceptance from my parents. You know, when you switch a career is at, at 30 and you, you you leave you know what was about to become uh, you know a very lucrative career respectable career in tech and, and at 30 you tell your parents like so yeah <laughs> about that like <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore and I'm gonna go do this other thing there and and, and you have Korean you know sort of traditional parents like I mean, they had a heart attack. You know, they were not, they were not pleased. They're like, what are you doing with your life? But they survived. They're still alive, yeah? So, yes, they're still alive. And so I'll never forget. It was August of 2018. I went back to Jersey. Um, my parents live in Korea, but every year, like, they, we, we, we gather in, in either, like, L.A. or New Jersey because we gather and we have, like, a week or two of family time together. Um, and my brother as well, who lives in New York. And I remember I sat them down and had the talk, and I was like, I'm going to pursue this life as a musician. Um, oh my god, that was only one year ago. That's insane. But yeah, they were. It was a whole thing. There was, you know, there were tears. <laughs> there were some some strong words. Um, and you know, it, it it was it was because they didn't. They they were they were worried for me. You know, I get it. But I mean, up until Ultra, it was sort of constantly this like I don't know uncomfortable thing to talk about with them. Like they, we we would talk on the phone and catch up, and it would always be so. How are things? How are you doing? How's this music thing? You know, um, and I don't think they meant, you know, to be hurtful or condescending on purpose. It's just, and they're gonna, and parents are gonna be concerned until you give them like strong reason not to be concerned. And for me, I think that was ultra. Like I was, I was on a trip uh, with my mom, the two of us, and we had just landed in Athens. It was this was like back in May of this year, and I got the email that you know the green light for ultra. I like screamed on the plane, like, you know, like, collapsed in my seat and was like, mom, look at this email. And I showed her and, you know, she screamed and like, we were just sort of crying on the plane together. Um, and like her whole like energy towards this shifted after that moment. After that, it was like, so like, what's going on? Like, how are you going to prepare for this set? Like, we got to book, we got to book your flights back home. Like she was just like fully on board, you know? And I feel like it's, she's been fully on board ever since like that, that, that excitement that she had um, initially when, when we got the news, like has stuck around. And I feel like, yeah, I think she just needed like, and it's same with, you know, my, 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 I feel like, I feel that same energy from my dad now too. And I think they just needed something really tangible for themselves to like hold on to and to realize, Oh, like our daughter is like doing this. Like this isn't some like cute hobby that, you know, she's being like delusional about like, you know, this, this might actually work out. Um, Did they come and, to the show? Oh my gosh. So yeah, so that, um, I was like really nervous because I was like, of, of course I want to bring them. But like, 
oh my god they've never been to a rave before like and I don't and I've never been to a rave in Seoul like I you know I didn't I was like how do people dress out there like are they is it as scandalous sort of as it is out here like are people on drugs like I don't know you know and I was like are my parents gonna see this and like what are they they gonna think like super nervous um but I was like well but there's there's no chance they're missing this so I brought them and you know luckily like I I played at 3 30 in the afternoon which was I mean I was I was stoked on that on that set time like I would have been happy to even just open but when they told me I I got 3 30 on day three I was like no way um so luckily like when, when when they were there it was still bright out like it wasn't I feel like as messy you know, like by the end of the night, like we're all, we're all creatures, you know, <laughs> but like at three thirty, people are still respectable. The clothes are still on. Sure. <laughs> so, um, they, they got to experience the festival that way. And like, I think shortly after my set, they were like, okay, this is, this is, this is a lot for us. Like we're going to go, we're going to take the shuttle back home. So but- obviously a really important moment for you just personally and professionally, you met some of your heroes, didn't you? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was wild. So um, I got to play on the resistance stage at Ultra, um, which meant, yeah, I was sort of like amongst all my heroes. I mean, the, you know, to name a couple of the people who, who headlined the stage that weekend, we had Eat Everything, Jamie Jones, Josh Wink, <laughs> Hot Since 82, um, Art Department. I mean, I was like, I was freaking out, you know. Um, I mean, I didn't, they didn't play all the same day. So like, you know, you didn't you didn't see them all at once. Like you had to have gone every day um, to have to have seen all of them. But I went Friday. I rested on Saturday so I could like prepare and just gather myself because uh, I, I then played on Sunday. So because there weren't that many people at the end of the day booked for the resistance, like it was you know eighteen in total. It felt sort of like if you were there and you and and, and you had your artist band on and you were like, oh yeah, I'm I'm here for the weekend to play the resistance. It was like, whoa, like sort of the small family vibe, you know? There were only like 15 or 18 of us like booked for that weekend. So you kind of felt like, yeah, you were one of the comrades, you know? (laughs) And um, yeah, I mean, you know, so, you know, you'd be hanging out in, in the general area and like, you know, the, the different festival handlers would, would introduce you to everyone and it'd be like, oh, this is Somi. You know, she's here from the U.S. Um, here, Jamie, like, meet her, right? <laughs> like, be like, oh, my God. Um, so it was this bizarre sort of, like, it, 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 at least for the weekend, like, it felt like this, like, super fast-tracked moment of, like, I don't know, sort of, like, being taken seriously, you know, amongst people at that level and sort of, being seen as like, oh yeah, you're you're playing the same stage, like you're you're one of us, you know. And that was the first festival I'd ever played. To like feel that way was and feel so welcome and feel like I was um, legitimately, you know, sharing a stage with 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 such with people I look up to. Like it was it was like almost too much. <laughs> it's a great I wanted, achievement. I wanted to like jump off the stage multiple times and just like run away. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. Yes, I can. No, I can't. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I really so, um, so now uh, we're coming towards the end of 2019. Oh what's my in, God. What's in store? Oh my God. Um, I, I can't believe it. Like, where is this year gone? But, um, well, like I mentioned before, I've been really trying to like sit my seat down um, in front of my 
in front of my studio set up and work on music. So what's in store is, is some new music for me. Um, I've also been, you know, as you know, I love to do vocal work as well. So I've been working a lot in the studio with, with Chris Simon, um, who is a, a, a dear friend now of mine and, and a producer that, you know, I, I super looked up to and he's part of the understated family as well. And we were able to connect recently um, and start working together. So I've flown up to San Francisco a couple of times where he's based to work with him. So we've got some some new music that we've we've recorded that we're really excited about that will hopefully be coming out in the near future. Um, I am working on a couple EPs uh, for different labels that will hopefully come out within the next, well, they're scheduled to come out in the next two to three, two to four months. And so like, I can't fall behind on that. <laughs> I owe these EPs to, to these labels. And so um, it's coming. Well, good luck with everything. And um, I know that this is just the beginning of what we're going to be hearing from Somi. Um, and <laughs> congratulations thank on everything you. so far and good luck with everything that's coming up. And thank you for coming on LA Underground. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun to talk to you. And um, yeah, just I know, like you said, we we hang out outside of this a lot, but we haven't had a chance to like properly sit down and just converse. So this has been nice. Although you've, you know, I, I've been rambling. I feel like you've been doing all the heavy lifting and I've just been like rambling and getting off topic and being like, Sam, save me. Where is this going? Where is this going? <laughs> You've needed no saving whatsoever. And uh, Somi has also dropped a gift in my inbox, which is a 30-minute guest mix. And when you get your ears around that, you're going to be very happy indeed. So thank you for doing that for us. Um, it's really exciting. And I know that it's uh, a mix that's come from your heart and um, really a true representation of the music that you want to be putting out into the world into dance floors um, around okay. the world so we're okay. excited to share that so thanks again and we'll see you soon okay sounds good thanks sam Woo. the guest mix
You're listening to the Understated Recordings Podcast, LA Underground.
What a great mix that was, and what a fine guest Somi was on the show too. That's all we have time for on this edition of Understated Presents LA Underground. And we'll be back really soon with some more amazing guests and some great music. You can stay in the loop on everything that's happening with the podcast via my socials. That's at Samuel Rukin or at Rukin Official and the understated LA handle and the understated LA handles too. Please, please, please go on iTunes and like and leave a review for the podcast. And we'll be back next time. See ya. See ya. See ya.